and oftentimes we associate our sexuality with who we are. And you know what? That's, that's not your only identity. God is your identity. It's not your sexual identity that defines who you are. It's God. But this is something that God wants to define within us and lead us in as well. We laugh and we cry over this topic. When I talk about things like sex with a group of people, you usually get different reactions. You get a kid like, did you hear what he just said? You get kids who are scared to death because they've never talked about it. But you also get kids who completely understand of it and the weight of it. And you get kids who are in here that are broken and understand, yeah, this is where I'm at right now. And this is something that I need healing in. In fact, we did a Q&A last year for the junior high at halftime. And I was going through the questions and I was looking through just what questions um, were students asking. And over 60% of the questions were related to sex and they were related to your sexuality. It's something that we wonder about. You can't say it's not relevant to the world that's around us. And so we're going to dive into it um, and we're going to we're going to open to Genesis chapter 2, if you have a Bible with you. If you would like a, a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We'll definitely provide you with one. Also, if you would like a journal to be able to take notes, as well as take notes while you go through the Word, please ask me. Um, please ask me after service. We have journals available for you guys. Um, many of us know the story of creation. Many of us have read through it. Um, we're going to be starting there. If you're in chapter 2, go ahead and look at verse 18. The first three chapters of the Bible pertain to creation and the fall of sin. And we're going to be looking at um, this portion of creation that actually refers to sexuality and sex. Um, if you're there, go ahead and go to verse uh, 18. God is in the midst of creating the world. He has created Adam, the first human being. And we are here at this point where the heavens and the earth have been created. Adam has been created. And we pick up in verse 18, and it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Can we all say amen? You know, oftentimes when we talk about topics like sex, it can be easy to think about what not to do. It can be easy to think about how it can hurt you and how you can use it wrong. It can be easy to think about the ways where you've fallen or broken. But what about what it is? What about what sex is? And what about what your sexuality is? You know, oftentimes with this, I'll just say, there's, there's two realms of thinking that we can, we can fall into sometimes. One is called animal theology. Theology means your, your belief of God, your understanding of God. This animal belief that maybe the world and this culture around you puts on you. And it's of this. 
You have physical needs. Just do what feels right. Do what you do what you want when you want. If it feels good to you, if it feels right to you, go ahead. Who's holding you back? Why would you hold back? Why would anything be forbidden? Why would you wait on anything if it's there in front of you? That's that's an understanding of saying, well, you have you have this flesh. You're just you're just flesh, you know. So what's the danger in it? But you have a spirit as well. God created us both to have a spirit and to have flesh with each other. And oftentimes when we, you know, dive into that realm, we experience brokenness. We experience hurt and pain. And to the point of, man, something is just not right. I feel like something was just given away. And it's because you're using this gift of God in a way that he didn't intend, which is true of any gift of God. But might I add, if you use it outside the context that he has, it's only going to hurt you, not help you. But the other realm of thinking, and I want to talk about it this morning as well, because this one is just as dangerous. It's this, it's this angel theology. It's this idea that you're just, you're just spirit. You're not, like Angels are spirits. They don't have physical bodies. And sometimes perhaps your church, perhaps people around you unintentionally have grown up saying anything that you feel sexual is bad. Anytime that you feel attracted to someone, you're bad. You are bad, and that is wrong. And when you're healthy, you won't feel anything. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm done for, you know, because I have all these feelings going on inside of me, and I don't know what to do with them. Because here's the truth of the matter. God created you with a sexuality. God created you with hormones. When Jesus came to earth and took on flesh, he took on that same sexuality that you guys are dealing with as well. And so to completely deny that side of you is to, is to completely deny God. And oftentimes we find ourselves fighting against the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that if you're trying to control or you're trying to keep things out of your life that are unhealthy or are wrong. What I'm just saying is if you're trying to eliminate anything, you're going to be living in this tension your entire life because it's something that God gave you. You're denying something that God made inside of you. And what often happens with that is when you try to deny that and yet you feel like you have these feelings inside of you, you feel like you never measure up. You feel like you're just never good enough. And you live within this world of shame because you feel like you're just not measuring up enough. We're not just purely physical in the sense that we can just go off and um, do anything we want sexually. But at the same time, we're not just spirit. We can't just completely deny this side of us. Because God gave it to us, and God wants us to use it in the way that he has. I think that's a dynamic. We're talking about real love and fake love. Fake love is thinking you can do whatever you want with your flesh. But equally, fake love is thinking you can't have any of it. That anything that's sexual, anything is bad. Because here's the truth. This is what real love is. Sex is created by God, and God defines it. Sex is something that is made by God, and everything, it says everything that God made is good, which means sex is a good thing. That's a a different thought maybe for you this morning to think, maybe this is actually something good, because my whole understanding is that it's going to kill me. But God created it in such a way that it's good. And here it is defined in verse 24. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, And they become one flesh. That is the biblical reference to sex right there. The two become one. I love that picture because it relates 
on so much more than just a physical level. Because sex is a sharing of something. It's two people in two separate worlds making a commitment to become one with everything in the world. Not just the physical things, but everything. Emotional, spiritual, you name it. Sex is a gift for married couples. Healthy sexuality, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this one down. Healthy sexuality is anything within the context of God's plan for sex. Sexual immorality or a sexual sin is anything below that context. That is the definition of sexuality before you. If it's within God's context and God's commands and God's definition of sex, it is great. It is good. You don't have to be ashamed of that. But when it falls outside of it is where the hurt and the pain begins to happen in our lives. And I love that. I love that definition of it because it's anything. We're not here to toe a line of, oh, God, how far can we go before we, we hurt ourselves? No, God says anything outside of my definition. Pursue my definition. Don't just avoid the world's definition of sex. Pursue it. Understand it. You see, in the Bible, in the Bible itself, there is no separation between marrying someone and having sex with them. There is no separation. There is no such thing as it. Because when God created sex, he created it within the realm of marriage. If you slept together, you were married. That was the understanding of it. And that's the two are one. And so to sleep with someone is to completely be with them. That's why when somebody says, well, why can't I sleep with someone before marriage? I've never read in the Bible it says that you can't sleep before marriage. And it's because of this. It's because sex was based on the assumption that if you sleep together, you are married. That's why when somebody says, well, I, don't, I haven't read anywhere in the Bible where it says you can't live together. It's because literally the definition is no. It's, that's a fallen idea of sex. Even looking at someone lustfully, Jesus says in Matthew 5, is just as bad as committing adultery. And you want to know why he says that? He says that because it's a fallen picture of what God's definition of sex is. If it falls below that, it's sexual immorality. And that's how you're able to tell the difference between the two and why we are talking about what it is. Sex is intimacy because love is intimacy. Maybe you've never heard that word intimacy before, but it's a perfect word to describe what sex is. The Hebrew definition of it, it describes a secret friendship that you have with someone. It's a face-to-face friendship that you have with someone. It's walking with God. That's intimacy. It's walking with someone through life. And in fact, it says that Abraham walked with God. And the actual word that it uses for walked is the same word that it uses for intimacy. Abraham was intimate with God. Just as loving one another represents the love that God wants to have with each of us. How many of you ever heard that? If you love one another and you show the love of God to people, it's representing this Love here. Sex represents the intimate relationship God wants to have with each of us. I want you to think about your absolute best friend. It could be a parent. It could be someone that is around you. I want you to think about the fact that you could tell them anything. God wants that times a billion with you. 
God doesn't want to just be your best friend. He wants to be the God and the friend above all friends. He wants to have this depth with you that is unlike any relationship that you have in your world around you. God wants to have this deep and intimate friendship with you. And I think that, you know, oftentimes when we think about sex, we think of it coming in and out, what you feel like at the time, if I'm not feeling it. And sometimes we think about those same things with our relationship to God. We think, wow, I just want to feel it. I'll just be in and out. But God doesn't want no puppy love with you. He wants a deep and he wants a passionate relationship with each and every one of us. Can we get an amen in the room for that? We have a God who wants to understand us. And and we have a God who wants us to understand him inside and out. I think that intimacy is best described as there's literally nothing hidden between you and God. And you look at verse 25, and it says, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And if you've never been to church in your life, you're like, wait a minute. Why are they naked? Why are they naked? (laughs) You know? The reason is that when life was perfect, there was no need to hide anything around us. That literally, that they were just naked before each other. They, They didn't feel any shame, as it says. There was no shame. In fact, if you want to know what's a symptom of the fall, it's this. Whenever you go out to a public place, you remember to dress yourself. You don't walk into church and you're like, what did I forget? Ah, that's what I forgot to do. No, not not again. That's ridiculous. You would never forget. Well, Israel. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You don't forget because you know that you're going to cover yourself. You would never be caught in a situation like that. And that's a, that's a direct, that is a, do not forget this. That's a direct result of sin. That's a direct result of sin. Because that's how our hearts are as well. Anytime we go out into public, it's like these walls come up around us. Anytime we talk to anyone around us, it's like we put up these walls. We put on this clothing. And just as Adam and Eve did when they sinned, the first thing that they did was they clothed themselves with bushes and hid themselves in the tree. Isn't that interesting that the first thing that happens after they walk into sin is that they hid themselves from God? And what they say in Genesis 3.10 when God asks where they are, says, I was afraid when I heard you. I was afraid, so I hid. I was afraid, and so I hid myself. I began backstepping from you, God, the minute that sin happened in my life. And that speaks a lot to the loss of shame because before the fall, there was no shame. But after the fall, there was shame and we began to cover ourselves. Shame um, is something when it comes to our sexuality that probably is, is way more prominent than any other sins that we have. And this is what I mean by it. If you're five minutes late to your parent after school, you're not going to go... How am I going to tell my friends about this? Should I tell my my dad about this? No, you're five minutes late. Sorry. It was an accident. You don't feel any shame over that. But let me ask you something. If you sin sexually or you fall into sin sexually, how often do we we feel this weight of shame that's upon us that's that feels different from other sins? See, shame is, is the name of the game when it comes to the enemy and our sexuality because everyone sins. 
But this is his foothold into our lives when it comes to keeping us in our sexual sin. It comes with shame. Covenant Eyes, which is a, it's a nonprofit organization that helps, you know, people like you and me stay out of sexual sin. It provides things like accountability software for technology, which I'd highly recommend for all of us. <laughs> Thank you. Tell us how you really feel. This <laughs> shame. This is how it defines it. It talks about guilt and shame. It says, shame is feeling bad about who you are. Guilt is more of an awareness of failure against a standard. But shame is a sense of failure before the eyes of someone. Guilt is more about disobedience against a law or a code. But shame is it's feeling bad about how you perceive others or how others perceive you. Or even how you would perceive yourself. And although shame is something that we, we feel when we hurt someone and it can lead us to, to writing a relationship. If I do something disgraceful to a friend of mine, I'm going to feel shame. And I'm going to say, you know what, I need, to go, I need to go write that relationship. Shame is not something that God wants us to live under. Shame is not something that God wants us to be a part of our lives. Because there's no shame in God's plan and usage for sex. Maybe when you think about sex, you immediately feel ashamed or you think about shame. But I'm telling you right now that within the context of God's plan for sex, there is no shame whatsoever. There is nothing to be ashamed about, about God's definition and God's purpose and plan for our sexuality. Can I get an amen, please? Sin and shame are two interesting things because sin is something that we are prone to, that we will sin. But shame, shame is like this wall that gets built around our sin. The enemy tells us you need to build a wall around that. You need to keep that under wraps. You need to bury that in your backyard and tell no one about what happened right there. Shame, sin is something that maybe hurts us, but shame keeps us in that hurt. And that's why this is something such a difficult issue for us and for our culture and even for church and Christianity in our day. Because of the shame that keeps us in, you can't tell anyone. You can't talk to anyone about this. You talk to your leader about this, they're going to think you're so weird. That is not true. That's shame at work. You can't tell your parents about what you're struggling with. That's a lie, and that's shame at work. That is, that's shame speaking to you in that moment. But you know, God takes away our sin and our shame. And when you pursue the Lord, God not only not only removes our sin, but he takes away the shame that we have had perceived about ourselves. And he allows us to stand. Are we perfect? No. But what about when it says in the word in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for you if you give yourself to Christ. So why are you ashamed of things that God has already forgiven you of? What about Psalm 25, 3, where he says, no one who puts their hope in you has ever put to shame. You pursue God's definition of sex, you'll never, you'll never be put to shame, and you'll never feel that over you. Because God will remove that cloud over you. You will stand up, and you will be proud of who God has made you in every area of your life, including that one. Are you perfect? No. Are you committed? Absolutely. Absolutely. And God is equally as committed. Sex is intimacy. Sex is also commitment. You can't commit to sex without committing to all the other things. I think that goes back to what we were talking about, why living together just doesn't work. 
why things like, well, why can't I sleep with someone early? Why can't I, why can't I cross the line? And this is why. If you can't commit, you can't commit one thing and not commit the others. You want to sleep with someone? Put a ring on them. Give yourself financially. Give yourself emotionally. Give your time. Give your future to them. Don't just give them one area because you know what that is? That's nitpicking someone. That's saying, I want this part of you, but I don't want the other parts of you. That's what our, and that's, I think the picture of that love is more prevalent. It's in our world more than we think. Because how often do people only love us for certain things about us? How often do people nitpick certain things about us, but the minute that we're actually in need and we need help, they're like, bye. That's not my job. And your only love for certain parts of you. And the thing we crave deepest is just to be loved for who we are. You see, that's when the commitment comes in because God is committed in his entire love to you. God isn't going to turn his back when you mess up one time. God isn't going to mess up when you, or God isn't going to, well, he's not going to mess up. God isn't going to turn his back on you when you stumble. God isn't going to turn his back on you when it gets messy. In fact, God came for the mess. Came for the mess. God isn't going to turn his back, which is why God created marriage, as we'll talk more in the weeks to come. God created marriage as something that you enter in and you never enter out of. There's no turning back in God's plan for marriage. It's it. It's everything out in front, and it's everything together. And that's the picture of sex as well, which is why I would just say that's where it just makes such a clear distinction between what is God's definition of sex and what isn't? Because anything that's nitpicking, anything that you're taking from a person, even lusting at a person, don't take something from them. Don't do that unless you're willing to give everything. That's why even just the littlest things can hurt us so much. Real love is committed and real love is intimacy. And there's no turning back. Can I get an amen from, from the crowd? Now... Talking about the definition of sex is something that's so, so important because we need to have an understanding of what it is. You understand what it is, you understand what it's not, and you know what you're supposed to pursue. And I think that's what God is trying to speak this morning is right here. Purity and about having a healthy sexuality isn't solely about avoiding sin, but it's about pursuing Jesus in it. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Timothy 2.22. It's all the way on the other side, thousands of years ahead in your Bible. Second Timothy is a book that's written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it to one of the, someone he would call his dear son in the faith. He was like a son to him. He was someone who was younger than him, but he was also a leader in the church, and he wanted to lead him in the Lord. Second Timothy 2.22, you can write it down if you're not there quite yet, but here's what he says. He says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And other translations say out of purity, out of purity. Flee those evil desires and pursue the Lord in purity in faith and hope and love and the things that really matter and the things that go into a definition of God's idea for sex. You're not just tolerating a bad definition of sex. And if you walk away from today thinking that I just got to make it till marriage 
You're missing the whole point of everything. You're missing the whole point of everything. Because here's the truth. You aren't just tolerating a bad definition of sex, but you are courageously living out the purity right now that God has for you. You get to live it out. You get to be a proud advocate of God's love for you personally and for the people that are around you as well. You're not just timid and avoiding sin and saying, I'm just going to hold out until I can do this certain thing. That's, that's, that never works because, let me ask you, what are you focusing on? Okay, I'm just not going to think about sexual immorality. My goal is to just not mess up, not mess up. All you're thinking about is messing up, whether you're thinking about doing it or not. God wants you to be focused on purity, faith, hope, and love. Flee the evil desires of youth. And it doesn't say, and then try and avoid it as much as possible. It says, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You know, in the college group that I used to get to be a part of uh, a couple years ago, I would say probably the biggest thing that was, that was difficult and walking people through was this. Both guys and girls, the most common thing was they wanted to be married. They wanted to be married. They just really struggled with, with that season of life. They felt like, man, I just really want to enter into this. I feel like this is something that God has in store for them. And I can remember so often that the way that dudes um, and girls as well would approach it would just be, I just got to hold off until marriage, and then it'll be good. But that, that's wrong. That's wrong thinking. It's not about avoiding or being timid about marriage. It's about pursuing what God has for you now. And we would tell them, if God has a season of singleness for you right now, pursue it. Lay hold of it and enjoy it because if God put it in front of you, it's great and it is good. God will tell you when you're ready for that next season. And so often with purity and sexuality, we think, okay, I'm just going to avoid this until it's good, like holding me back from sin or holding me back from this rather than saying, God, no, God is over here and he wants you to run. He wants you to pursue that. You guys in this room... Everyone look at me. I will try to look at all of you. You all get to be each other's best friend. You guys get to be family in pursuing a healthy idea of what God has for sexuality with one another. Dudes, when a brother is struggling, you get to be the first one there to help him. You get to be the first one to show grace, and you get to be the first one to show him truth. Ladies, you get to be advocates of what it is in purity with each other. And everyone in the room, we get to be advocates in the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we dress, the way that you present yourself on social media is a reflection of your understanding of purity and of modesty and of God's definition. We get to be advocates of that and we get to show the love of Christ by falling within God's context of marriage and of sex. And everything that comes with it. You get to protect one another. Dudes, you get to protect the ladies in this room. You don't get to exploit them. You don't get to look at them on the basis of their body. But instead, you build them up for the basis of how God created them. In the same way, the ladies in the room get to lift up the the dudes in this room. Not tempt them. Not try to make them stumble. But instead, build them up. Create a safe place for them to be with. And the truth of the matter is it's not something we just do for our friends. It's something we're going to do for the people that we share our life with. Before marriage, 
when you're dating and after you're married will always be a commitment to purity. It will always be a commitment to purity. I am called to protect Carissa in the way that I talk to her, in the way that I lift her up, in the way that I present my body, and she's called to do the same there. We're not called to exploit one another, but instead we're called to build up one another, whether everyone is looking or not. It's something that you're called to, whether it's with someone that you're with or whether it's someone randomly on the street. Something that you do with your brothers and your sisters at home. It's something that matters now. So to walk out of here and to say, this is a great message. I can't wait to address it when I get married. is to completely miss the point of it. Because God has called us right now to be men and women of purity. He's called us right now. Israel, if you guys want to come back up. I think this morning the response that God has for us is although we, there's, a, there's a definition of God's idea for sex, it's about laying hold of it. And I think that everybody could find themselves at a different place in this room. Maybe you're in a place where you're like, I don't know if I can because of... What I'm doing right now. Oh, God. What I'm doing right now. Maybe you think that I can't lay hold of God's plan because I'm stuck in sexual sin right now and I can't break it. Well, let me tell you something. That's how you break it. I was talking to a student once. They were, they were struggling a lot with sexual immorality. And I remember asking them what they wanted. And I remember him saying, man, I just want this to be done with. I just want it to be done with. And I remember in that moment just saying, God has so much more in store for you than just being done with it. Because as long as you're a human being, this is going to be relevant to your life. It's going to be something you deal with every day. And to deny that is to not address it in a godly way. But as long as we're here and as long as we're breathing, this is something that we get to give over to the Lord. And we get to make a commitment to sexual purity. Maybe it's something that's very direct and saying, I'm going to flee this, but don't forget pursuing this. Maybe you're in this room and this has been the farthest thing that's on your mind because you feel like you haven't reached that point of life yet, but you will. And when you reach that point, better to be taught by the Lord and better to make a commitment to God before you make a commitment to the world around you. So maybe this morning it's a commitment to just say, I'm going to be pure. I'm going to hold to God's standard before the world tries to grab me and say, hey, this is what's really good. You can recognize a lie and you can sniff it out way ahead of time when you know what it is. And you know what a lie is when you know what the truth is. Maybe that's for you this morning. Or maybe you're just scared of even talking about it. Maybe you've never talked about your sexuality with anyone. And maybe this morning God is calling you to just say, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment and I'm going to bring it to the light. I'm going to talk about it with my parents. I'm going to talk about it with my friends at church. Those who are pursuing Jesus. I'm going to start inviting him in on that part of my life. And we're going to walk through it together because we need one another and that is where we're going to finish this morning because the first thing that it says in verse 18 is man was not meant to be alone you were not meant to do this by yourself none of you were meant to do it and god declared that when the world was perfect how much more do we need one another in our walk for purity now that we live in a fallen world maybe this morning you just need a shame removal you just need a nice just scrub of everything that's shameful over you because you feel like you don't measure up. Well, let me tell you something. You do measure up in the Lord. You do measure up, and he forgives you, and he takes away both your sin and your shame. And so...